We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. Another episode of Booth Review presented by Emprise Bank. A bank is more than a building down the street. It's a partnership for some of life's biggest joys and obstacles. Emprise Bank has all the tools for your rainy days and your brightest moments in life. They're your partner in Possible. Sign up online for an account today and let them be part of your journey. Uh, it has been a very fun journey here at KC Sports Network and a very good, enjoyable journey with Scott Chasen. Find him on Twitter at Chasen Scott. Uh, hi, Scott. How are you today? I'm I'm doing great, Kent underscore Swanson on Twitter. Why? How are, how are you doing today? I'm all right. It's good to be back. Uh, you know, I'm looking forward uh, to the next 100 episodes of this show with you, yeah. right? Is, uh, right? Something like that. Um, yeah, for those who didn't see, I, I put out on Twitter. Um, so I'm actually going to work at the Kansas City Star uh, as the new assistant sports editor there. Super excited about that. Super stoked about that. Um, sad that this uh, not podcast is coming to an end. It is not ending. Kent will be continuing. <laughs> Kent is amazing and will do a great job with this. Um, but my time on it, I'll be here today and I will be here Saturday. Um, and then it's into the void for Kent to find uh, a better and bigger replacement. Yeah, I, uh, I am. <laughs> I think the show's just ending. We're just gonna, we're just gonna call it. Um, I am, uh, I'm, I'm bummed. You know, I'm a little bit bummed. You know that this version of Booth Reviews ending with me and Scott. Uh, I, I think we talked about this when the show first started. I was extremely excited to work with Scott. I have thrown his name around a lot of times for whenever we get into the KU space. And then this opportunity finally presented itself. And I was beyond thrilled to do this. And it has been an incredible, you know, half of a season. <laughs> no, it's been a few more than that. Yeah, it's been a really, it's, been a, it's a great couple months. It's been a really, really great couple months. Um, I am thrilled for Scott and I'm really glad he's back in the sports media space uh, as an assistant editor, right? Yep. So, uh, yeah, I am. Uh, I'm sad that this version of the show is ending. Very happy for him. 
Uh, you have you, there are big shoes to be filled, though, my friend. I hope you understand that this has been an absolute pleasure the last two months. Well, I appreciate that. And honestly, the thing that makes me happiest about doing this is that a lot of KU fans got a platform to hear Kent because, and Kent knows, I've told him this before, but, uh, you know, everyone brings different strengths and weaknesses to talking about what they do. And I think one thing Kent does better than probably anybody is understand what goes into football and how successful football happens. You get to hear from a college quarterback and you'll get to continue to hear from a college quarterback about a team you care about if you're a KU fan. So that's made this awesome for me. And Kent, we've got a lot of topics today. Um, we're not going to get to all of them because we never have in <laughs> the never history do. of this show. <laughs> I think, I think, so we've had this rundown for this show and I think there's <laughs> stuff from like week one that we still just never even touched on. Yeah. I stopped updating it after a while. Cause I was like, we'll just talk, but I actually, I have a few topics today that I think people are going to be interested in some injury stuff, some bye week stuff, some betting stuff, off season transfer portal. So a lot of topics, lots of things to get to. Very first thing I'm interested uh, in is what this bye week does for Kansas, especially health-wise. And I think the three guys on the roster you think about when it comes to health right now, Jalen Daniels, Kobe Bryant, and Lonnie Phelps. Um, Lonnie Phelps was obviously playing, but he only played like 15 snaps in one game. He's been dinged up. He hasn't been the same. Jalen Daniels, obviously out. Kobe Bryant, obviously out. My question for you, Kent, I mean, I assume Jalen Daniels is the answer, but I'd love to hear what you think. If you can get one of those guys back a hundred percent healthy, I guess after Jalen, is it Kobe? Is it Lonnie? Where are you kind of at with those guys returning from injury? It's probably Lonnie. I mean, and you know, we've talked a little bit about this pass rush, how it's built. And, you know, I think there's a lot of really quality complementary pieces on the defensive line, but KU doesn't have a ton of guys that, that can just pin their ears back and affect the quarterback at a you know, really high clip. Lonnie Phelps has been that guy, especially when healthy, he's shown to be a guy that can really disrupt a game. You talk about it all the time is maybe it's not always the stats, but him disrupting and changing the game plan a little bit. I think Lonnie Phelps is the guy that does that the most on the defensive side of the ball. And, and Kobe Bryant's been good too, but Lonnie Phelps, I think has been, you know, uh, he's shown some very high end disruptive ability and KU needs that. I, I, you know, he's been in the center of some of their, you know, wins at this point in the mm -hmm. season. And, and I think, you know, to get him back close to a hundred percent would be incredible. And if he's, you know, feeling really good, that, that could be a really big thing for a massive game here against Oklahoma state on Saturday. Yeah. Well, and, and I think back to something Brian Borland said this week, just talking to media where he's talking about, well, what the defense has done well, what they haven't. And he said, well, at least we're multiple right, that KU's defense can do a bunch of different things. To do that, though, you have to have a good pass rush because I don't think you can be multiple, for example, if you're, you know, you rush with three, four, five, and you aren't getting there, if you have to blitz to get any pressure on a quarterback, or conversely, if your cornerbacks aren't holding up, right? And I think the best chance you give them, especially guys who have been a little bit more inconsistent, and candidly, I would put Jacoby Bryant in that category. He's had some very high highs, but he's also been picked on by a few teams this year. I think the best way to do that is to consistently get pressure on a quarterback. I, I think it changes, you know, there, there's a reason why, especially like you go to the NFL and who's getting paid the most money. Well, you start with quarterback and then it goes to that pass rusher quarterback and the guy who tackles the quarterback. So I, I think for KU, I think I'd agree. Like if you guaranteed me a hundred percent health of one of them, the rest of the year, I might actually go with Lonnie Phelps, even though he's still like playing right now. 
But I think there's just such a huge difference when you can get his burst, when you can get him game wrecking and doing things even away from the line of scrimmage as compared to just like when that presence isn't there, I, I feel like you notice it right away. No, you do. Uh, and it, I, I think um, the, you know, like, we're, and we'll probably talk about Oklahoma State's, you know, defensive mm-hmm. front and they're, they're big and they're physical and they're athletic. And um, I think one of the, you know, signs that this team still, you know, it's it's clawing out of a, a difficult situation is they have a lot of guys that they can throw at teams, but I don't know if they have just the most dominant, you know, the, the most dominant front, you know, uh, and, you know, the, you need anything you can get. Lonnie Phelps is definitely a guy that, that they're going to need moving forward. It was interesting the way you posed that question, though, Scott, talking about 100% healthy, because I come back to like Jalen Daniels, and I believe it's his throwing shoulder that that is, in you know, that is still kind of, you know, in question right now. And it's interesting because, I mean, that's that's a tough one. You know, that's mm-hmm. a tough one to, to come back from. That's a tough one to, you know, recover from, you know, even if you get, you know, close to, you know, we get into that window where it's feasible for him to come back. You said the word 100 percent. And I'm thinking, you know, I don't know. You know, We don't know how you know Jalen Daniels shoulder is going to respond, even if he is medically cleared. You don't know if it will respond 100 percent the way it did prior to the injury. Mm-hmm. And. You know, like there's, there, you know, there's some, there's some, you know, hey, there's the, a little, a little potential that he might play this week, and you know that they're saying he's pl- practicing. I think Andy Kotelniki used the word bopping around. Yeah. Um, it's 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 going to be interesting if, for one, he's able to to meet the timelines that have been kind of you know thrown out there. Uh, but two, what kind of quarterback you get if he does wind up, you know, playing. Yeah, well, I think that's an important question. And, you know, it's funny, a guy left off this list that was more of an oversight than me making a point, but I'm going to turn it into a point. Mm-hmm. Luke Grimm is another guy, right, who was dinged up, who didn't play um, in one game. And, and that was another guy who probably needed this week. I, I think for me, the Kansas wide receivers have exceeded so much about, you know, against expectations that they haven't necessarily needed him. But at the same time, I mean, he's probably maybe your most reliable wide receiver um, in, in terms of just, you know, doing the right thing, being there, making the catch, getting to the sticks, whatever, um, in terms of that option. Yeah, but but you pose a good question with Jalen because that's something I think a lot of people don't consider a lot of the time. And, and sort of the, the test case of this this year is like Kai Thomas. Like mm. Kai Thomas is cleared. Kai Thomas is available. Ty, Kai Thomas can play. And yet you just see like there's something missing a lot of the time. It's not always on him. Sometimes it's blocking Maybe it's burst. Maybe it's confidence, right? That's a whole nother part of injuries. Um, Do you trust it? Are you going to make that same cut? If Jalen Daniels is playing at 90%, let's throw out there later in the season, is he going to feel the same way about taking all those hits? Is he going to want to keep the ball as much? Um, Does that affect, is it in your head? I think all that stuff lowers the ceiling and, and it makes it a lot more likely that a guy like Jason Bean would continue to go, even though I think, we both agree that Jalen Daniels is the better player. Yeah, obviously. And, yeah. yeah, he is. And I don't want to disparage Jason Bean either. Mm-hmm. But you're talking about, you know, Luke Grimm. And one of the points I was thinking about is like, I think about that catch on the on that tightrope catch against TCU, where, you know, it was a decently placed football. It wasn't a mm-hmm. perfectly placed football. And it forced an adjustment from Luke Grimm to make on a Jason Bean throw. And and he he helped his quarterback out in a big way. 
I think about that and I'm just, there was a little bit of that in that big game that Jason Bean had. I think that's kind of the, the difference I think you've seen between Bean and, and Daniels and Jason Bean. I think, I think it's in him to win one of these next four games. We've talked about this. Um, it feels like we probably talked about this last week, but um, it's in him to win one of these games. But you know, if they can get a 95% Jalen Daniels back on the field, they need to find a way to do it. Yeah, for sure. Ken, I want to ask you about this game. First, I think we should throw it to a break here. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, so talking about this game, something that has shocked me. First of all, the op- opening line came out. It was like three and a half. I was like, that's dumb. I was like, that's getting bet up. Um, you know, if you guaranteed me that Spencer Sanders is out for the game, okay, then maybe it makes more sense. And maybe he is. Maybe it's just something. Maybe Vegas knows. I don't know, whatever. But still, I mean, I mean, the point of Vegas is typically to get money on both sides of the line. I feel like there is not money right now on both sides of the line. And, and that's what confuses me. Like, I've seen some graphics and some stuff that say people are betting Oklahoma State, and the line is moving toward KU, moving from three and a half down to two. I think that's super fascinating. Um I don't know what that means. And this is as a guy who last week said, I kind of think KU is going to beat Oklahoma state this week. So that that's kind of blowing my mind right now. But what, what do you think of that from a matchup perspective? And do you think KU maybe has the offensive firepower to hang some points on the Cowboys? I am. I, I was perplexed and surprised. And I don't know what that line means from an injury perspective. Um, you know, I think we, we thought Oklahoma state was a winnable football game heading into the week and i mean i don't think that's changed i just i'm surprised that you know when we talked about winnable i was expecting it kind of to be what most ku games have been this season ku's a seven to eight nine point underdog you know they haven't been favored in very many games this year so you know to see the line moving in ku's direction and all the way down to two was was kind of surprising um you know, when I look at this game, yeah, maybe it's the Spencer Sanders injury. Maybe it's the Jalen Daniels injury. I don't know. But the more I think about it, like, KU hasn't been blown out of a game yet. Mm-hmm. I think you can make an argument that if KU and Baylor play 10 times, it's it's 60-40 Baylor probably. Um, yeah. I don't think that the Baylor game was the best representation of this football team. Um, I think if KU, you know, is available, there's two things that I think about when I when it comes to this Oklahoma State game. If KU 
is able to um, manage the start of the game better. And if they're able to handle the physicality of both sides of the line for Oklahoma State, they're probably, I, I think they will win this football game. But I'm just kind of, I'm surprised that we are at this point with yeah. this game because two two points just, I, that's that's very surprising to me. Yeah, it's a little, it's a little odd, um, especially like recent history of the series, although I don't necessarily think that means everything. Yeah. But I, I'll tell you this, it, it tells me they're expecting at, at minimum, they're expecting a really good effort from Kansas. Mm-hmm. And uh, your point about blowouts is a good one because I, I was running through this. You know, I, I used to host a, a show in Topeka. I mean, I was I co-host with Tim Fitzgerald, and I was I was just running through blowouts, like Big Twelve blowouts this year. Like, you know, what just happened in the Baylor Texas Tech game last week? It's not just like OU Texas massive blowout, forty nine nothing. K State Oklahoma State forty eight nothing. Texas Tech Baylor like. There haven't been a ton. It's not happening every week. West Virginia got blown out, I think, by Texas Tech. I can't remember. Um, but there have been, like, a good number of just maybe not shocking results, but just dominant, uh, dominant results, gained 30-plus point games, whatever. Um, and you're right. You've brought that up. Like, KU's version of that is the Oklahoma game. And quite frankly, I don't care that that game ended at 10 points. On that day, specifically that day, those two teams could not have been further apart. That, that was – Really, really good Oklahoma, really, really bad Kansas, and Kansas got in a groove at a certain point. And, you know, you can argue about OU's effort level or whatever. I think I think if you replayed that game, KU's effort would be markedly better, and I don't think OU would play as well as it did. I, I think that that was kind of just the way that went. Agreed. But, yeah, KU hasn't been blown out. KU hasn't looked inept. Like, even in that game, it started 14-14. Like, there, there have been times in every game this year that you've been like, yeah, these these teams are on the same plane, at least how they're playing right now. And to me, like Baylor, the second half of that game, it, it was very much like a like a basketball game where one team goes on a run to start, the other team kind of figures it out. I'm a big NBA fan, Kent. And that's like every NBA game. A team goes up 20 early, then the other team kind of wakes up and starts executing, and then it's in its groove. And now it's, you know, you get to the, the fourth quarter and it's now it's a three-point game. And it's like, okay, well, let's find out which team's better. Um, that was kind of the vibe of that game to me. And Candidly, I'm not sure if you extend that game 15 minutes. I'm not sure Kansas doesn't end up winning that game. So um, not to pull a Steve Sarkeesian on that one. But, well, you uh, could also pull a Bill Self. You know, it was from yeah. the 2012, you know, Natty against, you know, against Kentucky. We just ran out of time. Yeah, he was wrong on that one, though. But, uh, <laughs> you know, look, that Kentucky team was really, really good. Anthony yeah. Davis was really, really good. Okay. But, yeah, it, it's just interesting to me because I really want to see what Kansas does. There are also a few guys who haven't played a ton or in one case at all that Andy Kotelnicki kind of identified as the stock being up on. And I don't want to make too much of this because I think a lot of times when coaches do this, they're playing the, I don't want you to get discouraged slash transfer game. Mm -hmm. Um, And so they'll list like Ethan Vasco was a good bi-week performer. Okay. You know, what does that mean? If Ethan Vasco was the top performer on this team during the bi-week, I'd say that's a problem for Kansas that no one on the roster who's on the two deep was a better performer than the third quarterback. And that's to take nothing away from him. You just, you want guys on the two deep being there. He gave three. Kotal Nicky said, Douglas Emelian, Kobe Baines, Tanaka Scott. And I'm curious if any of those um, stick out to you, give you a take, make you think about something. You ready for a, uh, a little tinfoil hat on a, well, we're recording this on a Tuesday. Go for this. Go for this. You know, hey. So, you know, Earl Bostic's been dealing with some injuries. 
this this uh this this you know recently it's been you know it's been tough for him he's been slugging through he probably is another guy that probably needed the bye week a little bit more than some other guys i wonder if maybe kobe bain's got an extended look with the at the left tackle position <laughs> I, I wonder, you know, because I think Kobe Baines is a guy that has the measurables to play tackle. He's played tackle. I believe he's recruited as a tackle. I kind of wonder if maybe they got some looks at him, you know, from him at left tackle. Uh, and they really liked what they saw or they were very encouraged by what they saw when they, when they put him over there. Just because, you know, this is an opportunity to shake up the, you know, potentially shake up the depth chart a little bit. Kobe Baines is, you know, had to kind of play behind the eight ball a little bit. It was a late transfer, a late addition mm-hmm. to this roster. This gives him a chance to catch his breath a little bit. I mean, if he's been working at the left tackle position and, you know, that that could be an indicator there. I, I, I'm just, you know, I'm just, I'm just, you know, putting two and two together. Maybe that is something that's happened. They're getting him a look over at the left side. Well, it's interesting to me, at least just because you've had injuries and with how the line is set up, like when those injuries happen, they can move Michael Ford. If he's not the guy who's injured, they can move him to a tackle spot and move yeah. Bryce Cable to over or, you know, figure it out. But yeah, you had two linemen go down in the last game. Now I know Bostic returned. But you're right. He's been banged up. He's had to come out a couple of times. Michael Ford has been banged up, had to come out a couple of and, times. And I'll, mm-hmm. just from experience, I'll just jump in. You know, you think vet days in the NFL, like some of these guys, especially these older guys, you've seen them, you know, like an Earl Bostic mm-hmm. is a prime guy that could be one of those, even if it's not, you know, uh, injury com- related to completely. Mm-hmm. It's probably into some capacity, but just a vet day or a vet, mm-hmm. you know, managing him and his body to get through the next four games would not be something I would be surprised KU is doing either. Well, yeah, that, and and that's kind of where I was going. Just like having quote unquote utility guys taking the more like baseball approach, even of like, you know, maybe not taking a game off, but yeah, this guy's off to a slow start, whatever, feeling more comfortable. I, I did think it was super interesting that Kobe Baines got brought up. Um, the, the receiver uh, inclusions, Doug Emelian, Tanaka Scott, I think he also mentioned like, Someone mentioned Kevin Terry. To me, I'm, I'm less confident in those guys seeing a big role, especially with Trevor Wilson back. Um, I think Trevor Wilson's use immediately tells you where they view him in this program and that he already has some trust there. So, you know, I, I don't know. It wouldn't shock me. Maybe that's more of a future thing because I, I think Tanaka Scott specifically could turn into a really good football player. Um, I, I, I don't know that I'm expecting a ton more from either of them, especially if Luke Grimm is back and healthy. I think it's just both of those have defined traits and roles that they are utilized in already. And maybe they just want to try to get that involved a little bit more. <laughs> you know, with Tanaka Scott, they they try to manufacture a touch or two for him every game because he's a giant <laughs> physical um, athletic guy. Um, yeah. And it's it's a simple it's a simple plan. We're either going to throw the ball on a screen or we're going to throw a fade ball to you. We're going to put everything in the boundary and put you one on one with some poor cornerback and see what happens. But then yeah. with Doug a million, it's like, hey, this guy does a lot of the little things that you need to to be successful. And, you know, he's been a good blocker. Um, I think he, he's shown some ability as a route runner and all that mm-hmm. stuff, too. So. I I could buy it a little bit, honestly. It's just a matter of, hey, how do you integrate them with a already pretty deep rotation at the receiver spot? Yeah, and are you taking tight uh, tent, tight ends off the field to do it too? Because I think those guys, mm. like you talk about a unit overperforming, obviously the receivers are on there, but the tight ends have shown some growth. I mean, Tavita Noah was basically like a, you know, thought about, at least at the time, was like offseason addition, he'll have his packages. 
And Mason Fairchild and Jared Casey, and to an extent, Trevor Cardell, were just kind of like, no, we are the top two tight ends on this team. We're way better than everyone else, and we've actually improved a lot too. Um, Mason Fairchild in particular, I, I think he, his game has come so far. And so, yeah, it's just, it's it's interesting to see that improvement basically across all the skill positions, but most notably, I, receiver and tight end have, have made huge jumps. And I mean, but we've talked a lot. Of, I mean, I, I think it's interesting that three of the guys he talked about were guys that have been behind the eight ball in some capacity too, mm. you know? And I think that is, that is interesting. It's like, and, and I think, okay, so like, let's think about last year, right? KU's entire team got started, you know, got off to a slow start and this coaching staff didn't get their chance to have their hands on these guys until August. That's the case for Kobe Baines and Doug a million Tanaka Scott was, he got, you know, he was in trouble for a stretch. And so, I mean, they've, they've all had some adversity since August. So there might be some validity to it. I don't know. Like you could, you know, that this could have been a chance for them to, to get a shot and, and you know, they're healthy. You know, these guys haven't played a big role. Sometimes that really matters late in the season, too, is, you know, that's where your depth's tested because some guys, they're probably a little bit more fresh than a Luke Grimm. Yeah, that's actually a great point that they were. They literally all were behind the eight ball in some case. I mean, Tanaka Scott suspended a game, the other two showing up late. I also think that's part of why, and we can talk about this, too, uh, what makes a, a recent transfer addition for KU so intriguing because this is a guy who will get time with the program. Let's talk about it after a break. Okay, so Logan Brown, transfer, tackle transfer from Wisconsin. Kent, if we ranked KU's transfer portal needs this offseason, I mean, left tackle, losing Earl Bostic, that's that's got to be way up there. And maybe they feel like they have the pieces, you know, on the line in the program, whatever. But you've also seen, you know, Bryce Cabledew has been the guy to move over when they need a left tackle fill-in. I think this is a huge addition, potentially, because you do get this offseason to work with this guy, potentially, if he makes it to campus, that's always, with transfers, that's always the question. I remember a time uh, under the last regime where KU was pretty confident it was getting a quarterback, uh, and then that quarterback sure did not end up coming to Kansas, um, and I think ended up going to Arkansas. So um, You can be frank about this. Uh, sorry. <laughs> you can be franks about this. Yeah, yeah. you can be frank um, about this. Yeah. But no, so I, I think it's a huge deal. And yeah, I think, I think that's, Kent, you said this, I'm stealing your point, so I'll let you make it, but that's one of the biggest question marks answered. Uh, for this KU team, potentially. I love that KU might have their biggest 2023 question mark answered in October of 2022. And I'm glad it hit October because it makes it hit just under the wire of October. <laughs> it makes it makes the point just sound all that much better. But yeah, um, I watched I actually I was able to uh, acquire some Logan Brown tape playing the left tackle position uh, against Ohio State. You ever heard of him? Um, so he played left tackle that game. I think it was one of the few, I think he might've been the only game he played left tackle at Wisconsin in a start. I think he started to at right tackle, played one at left tackle. And, um, you know, I know he comes in with the five-star accolades. Um, he, he looked capable. He looked like a guy that can come in and play immediately at the position. Um, I don't know if I see, former five-star pedigree in what the, this version of him is, but also he's going to have a year, uh, a year with Matt or almost a year with Matt Gildersleeve uh, in, 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 in Kansas, if he does ultimately come here, um, which I think could potentially do wonders for him. The way Wisconsin builds their offensive linemen is a little different than how KU will. 
So maybe you can help him gain a little bit more flexibility, a little bit more balance, a little bit more strength through his core. But I think this is a guy that is very much much in the mix to be that left tackle. Uh, and I think he might have two years of eligibility. He could be uh, the guy that, you know, he might be the only essentially player that they have to replace on the offensive side of the ball and having it solved already could be huge for this football team. Yeah. Well, I, I think a few things stand out to me. Number one is, and I made this point with the chiefs, the chiefs got a wide receiver. I'm, I'm blanking on the name right now. You probably know, but um, this off season, a guy who was like an injury thing, potential first round talent, but injuries kind of just Ross. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. And at the time, the point I made was that, like people were viewing it as a lottery ticket for the chiefs. And I was like, you're looking at that the wrong way. The bigger point is that this guy could probably go to any team. And like, yes, the chiefs have the best quarterback in the NFL. They have Patrick Mahomes, like no duh. Of course he would want to go play there, but it, it still has to happen, right? There are a lot of good quarterbacks. There are a lot of good teams. Lots of teams get free agents, lots of great markets, lots of places to go. And when the chiefs end up with a guy like that, you feel pretty good. Like you feel like, okay, this guy wanted to, to come and join what was obviously such a great situation. And that's kind of what's going on here um, a little bit when it comes to Logan Brown. Like Logan Brown had other visits, other places that he was going to check out. And then at least for now decided, hey, I've seen enough from a Kansas team that's integrating a lot of transfers that started the year five and oh, that's still five and three, right? Like the season is not over. I think a lot of people, because of the fear of Kansas going five and seven, are already kind of viewing this like a five and seven team. And even if they do end up like in a snapshot right now, Kansas is above 500. Kansas is a very, very good football team. And Kansas has a really, really good instructor coaching offensive line and coaches who know how to put the offensive line in the, the best position to make plays. Um, you know, one thing I read off is 24 seven sports scouting report done by Alan true. And Alan is a guy I trust. I, I worked with him. I know him very well. We've talked on the phone about a number of prospects at a number of different positions, but, but he is a good evaluator at every spot, but close to the line of scrimmage. And one of the things he mentioned is that all the tools are there. Frame, height, length, ability to add weight. He likes his bent. He likes his flexibility. He likes his quickness. But he talked about being a little bit more raw in pass pro. Um, he's got, it's, it sounds like he's got the size. He's got the tools. Now he needs to work with someone who can bring the most out of him. And Ken, I, I don't, it kind of sounds like that's in line with what you're saying, that you get him with the right coaches, both strength coaches and then obviously instructional coaches on the offensive line. I think that gives you the chance to get the most out of a guy like that. And I think KU's infrastructure is such that if you bring that guy saying, hey, you're probably going to be the left tackle if you do what you need to do. I know they don't like to promise that. Sometimes you have to. Um, that gives you a chance to have a really good left tackle. Yeah, and I wouldn't be stunned if they took a few pounds off him. Uh, and and they can do everything that they want to do as a team with him playing at 305. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that can, there's some there's some stuff linearly that he's very good. I think he's a very easy climber to the second level. So you mm -hmm. can, you know, you can, he can work up to the second level pretty easily. Um, you know, there's there's some stuff in pass bro that he definitely needs to work it with. Um, he does struggle a little bit with, with his lower half. He's kind of a higher cut guy, I think. So there's some stuff there, but uh, you've got to like the kind of prospect you, you don't you don't find those kind of guys especially guys that should be able to play immediately very often and i think that's a big get for ku just to have if they get them on campus that's a huge guy to just have just you know if you've got enough there you know you've got and if kobe baines too steps up here 
um, you know, you're, you're looking to push Bryce Cable do potentially too, or or both of those guys are competing for the left tackle mm-hmm. position. I do want to uh, some of that some commentary here. Shout out, I think Bryson Stricker had some some commentary on uh, on the left tackle on on uh, Logan Brown's situation. I believe he said mm-hmm. they did. He he, I think he kind of shut down some of his other visits. Yeah. Uh, after visiting uh, with, and so I just make sure to give him credit. Cause I'm pretty sure he's the guy that had that um, from what I read. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if, I don't know if you saw it anywhere else, but I was just going to make sure to shout him out. Um, but yeah, no, I'm excited about Logan Brown. I'm, I'm, I, I, it's just, I can't wait to see, I can't wait to see where this team goes with the transfer portal moving forward too. And I think what they've done and the infrastructure they have, Scott Aligo, I think, has I mean, he's he's come up nails on a lot of these kids uh, in in the play, you know, the the player evaluation stuff too, uh, and I think Logan Brown's just another guy that's going to potentially make them look really good. Yeah, along those lines, off season transfer portal needs. Now, assuming you do have you have addressed your tackle spot, what what positions jump out to you right now? I still think you need to get older at corner. <laughs> um. And, you know, I, I think that'll, help. I mean, Romello Dotson and Jacoby Bryant, another year in the system will help tremendously, but I still think you need some depth there. And then defensive line. Yeah. I mean, I'd throw a lot of numbers at the defensive line, try to get a little bit better uh, along the interior. Now, <laughs> you know, I think Tommy Dunn's look good. Um, I think you got Caleb Taylor back, you know, you still got plenty of guys, but you're, you know, you're looking at losing Eddie Wilson and uh, Malcolm Lee and, you know, you, you know, who knows with Lonnie Phelps, I would anticipate he's back. You know, you never know. Maybe test the waters, the NFL, who knows? But um, I, they, I think they need to add more d- defensive line depth and I mean, offensive line depth and, you know, it would be, here's something, a, a, a Trump card receiver would not be something. Mm-hmm. If you can, if there's like a big playmaker out there, be worth, worth monitoring as well. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, defensive line, though, is the one that sticks out to me. I've got another one that's kind of cheating, but like Kai Thomas getting healthy slash Daniel Highshaw returning. Like, you know, yeah. that's the one when it's like, you know what our biggest trade deadline acquisition was? This guy who's coming back from injury, you know. Okay, that, like, Josh Briscoe. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but that's every, I mean, they say in the NFL, they say that was the Golden State Warriors. What did they get at the trade deadline? Clay Thompson, he's back. Um, but I, I think that matters for both. Sean Thomas, and that keeps you from having to add weapons. I will say this, knowing this staff, unless there's a receiver they love, um, like you were saying, a trump card receiver, I, li- I like that term. Um, yeah, I, I don't totally see them adding to the outside unless they lose guys, and they are going to lose guys. But yeah, I, I think you shore up the defense. I think you bring guys in. But at least what I understand about Brian Borland is it's getting the right guys and then getting them time. And as much as people want to change scheme or what they're doing, or they need X, Y, and Z players, um, I don't necessarily think a ton of new players is going to solve um, or that like concept will solve a lot of the issues. I think it's more comfort, trust, familiarity, and then making sure the guys can be versatile enough to do all the things that he's going to ask them to do. So I think that's more on the evaluation side. And that's where a guy like Scott Oligo that you were, you were pointing out, like that's where that really helps. And I think that's where Kansas needs to be good. Yes. And, um, and I, you know, they, it seems like there's an intentionality on acquiring guys that have more than one year of, of, mm-hmm. um, of eligibility remaining. And I, I think next year is when you're going to see that payoff mm-hmm. because I think, you know, these, these transfers have stepped in day one and played well, don't get me wrong, but the kind of comfortable comfortability and confidence that a rich Miller had 
stepping on to spring practice uh, this year. Uh, you know, the offensive line, a lot of the guys on the offensive line, <laughs> you know, that continuity, look at the strides that they've taken kind of mostly being, I think all of these guys, the entire offensive line, except for Dominic Pooney was guys that were here a year prior. So, um, I think you're going to really see the benefits of the approach that this team has taken in team building in 2023. It could be a really, really fun year next year because most of this football team is back next year. And then now you get to dip into the portal and try to find some additional impact guys. Yeah. Best case scenario for 2023, you know, look at what K-State's doing. And then let's, let's do a prediction here too, after this, but you, you look at like K-State as, as the example, and I'm not saying KU needs to follow the K-State model. What I am saying is they bring a lot of guys back. They have key talent at, at certain positions. And then the one question is quarterback and KU's got that, right? If Jalen Daniels is back, KU is check mark at the quarterback spot. And that's how you go win a big 12 when you are not Oklahoma or Texas and just reloading on talent every year, you build to something. And I, I agree with you hundred percent. I, I think what they have been building to is okay. Bring in new guys, new faces, get them comfortable, get them in the weight room, whatever. And, and then if you have a quarterback and you have a way to get them the ball, you can succeed and win games. Absolutely. And, um, I, I still think this team's ahead of schedule. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, and like it, it, they're five and three. And I guess the question is, Scott, is this ahead of schedule football team celebrating bowl eligibility on Saturday evening? What do you got on the prediction? Yeah, I think I said most likely of remaining games, I, I would put this one up there. I, I kind of do think they're going to win this game and, and not, you know, I, I think Oklahoma State is very banged up and it's not just at the quarterback position. So I think, I think that helps Kansas a lot. I think there's a little bit of a difference between OU loses 49 to Texas and then plays KU getting better versus Oklahoma State is not in that same position. They're very banged up, you know, and then obviously if Spencer Sanders doesn't play, then you have a huge advantage there. But I think the bye week for this team, I think it's particularly big for guys like Dominic Pooney, like who you mentioned, or like the offensive line or position groups beyond the injuries, just like getting more time to working together, getting more time to try new things and, and, add new wrinkles to things. I think across the board, I really am expecting great football from Kansas. So yeah, I kind of do think KU is going to win this game. I have no idea like score prediction wise, because honestly I could see this being a little bit lower scoring um, than some of the KU games, but yeah, I, I just, I would be really surprised if this were the game that KU got blown out unless like it just all falls apart for Jason Bean. I, I guess that'll be the one caveat I'll leave, but I'm not totally expecting that to happen. I think KU will be there in this game. I don't think this is the game that they fall apart, and I don't expect them to give a bad effort coming out of the bye. Lance Leipold last year worked miracles in November. That team was markedly improved. I I go back to this all the time, but the team that you saw against South Dakota in Lance Leipold's first game and the team you saw in November last year, just night and day that trajectory hasn't changed that trajectory for this program has not changed the trajectory of this program is 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 not changing they are building at a surprising clip and that doesn't mean they're always going to win games but it means that they're going to win one this week i'm calling it 31 23 ku beats oklahoma state i don't care who plays quarterback I'm calling it. I think KU wins this football game. Uh, they go bowling. And uh, 
we send Scott Chasen out on a really high note. <laughs> That's funny. No, uh, it, it would be interesting. And, and real quick, the last point I'll make before we get out of here, Ken, think about results last year to this year. Like they lost something like 52 to seven or approximately that to Iowa yeah. State last year. And then they won the game this year. Baylor was, again, I'm guessing going off memory, like 41 to 14. And this year it basically came down to one stop and score because of how bad they played going down 28-3 in the first half. Yeah, Like just about across the board, all these games that it was like, eh, that wasn't really close in the end. It's like, oh, now it is. I, I expect Oklahoma State to be the, the latest case of this. And Oklahoma State's a very good football team that when healthy could be a Big 12 champion caliber team. But I, I said this last week, you look at betting lines in the conference, they're all a point, two points. It's because every team in the conference – it's just this this even good quality football that's being played. KU's a good quality football team. They're back home. I, I, they got a great chance. Yeah, fresh, healthy as they're going to be. Uh, there's a lot to be optimistic about uh, for Kansas, and I'm a I'm not going to apologize for playing a team at any point. You know, they they they've a lot of quarterbacks have come back to play KU. <laughs> so um, I think they get one this week. That is it for Booth Review. We will be back for a live post-game show after the KU-Oklahoma State game on Saturday. We'll catch you later. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.